With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com, use the coupon KIME15, that's K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off your order in the U.S. Today, I'm joined by my ESPN Rams colleague, Lindsey Theory, for some excellent insight into the Rams. Learn about Washington's next opponent, get some fantasy football insight as well. And I also talked to former NFL scout Tyler Roman for his fantasy football tips. He names a bunch of sleepers, folks, provides insight into what to look for in this matchup when it comes to fantasy football. Yes, we talk a little Washington, too. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about Washington coach Ron Revere and why some say he's the perfect man for this situation in Washington. You can follow Lindsay on Twitter at LindsayTheory, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-T-H-I-R-Y. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at NFL Scout 21. And now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Lindsay Theory. Well, Lindsay, thank you for joining me. I, one thing I want to start with, this is the Rams' third trip to the East Coast. What kind of toll do you think that takes, and do you think it even played a factor going back-to-back weeks to the East Coast and then the game they played against the Giants last week? Yeah, you know what? Sean McVay has done a really terrific job since he arrived in L.A., getting his team prepared to play those East Coast games, uh, especially when it's kind of that 10 a.m. body clock kickoff. Uh, They did start really slow against the Bills. It's hard to tell if that was just a function of them having to go back-to-back East Coast trips or just kind of they weren't ready necessarily for for what the Bills were going to throw out. The Bills obviously were the best team they played this season. Uh, Going into this last week, though, against the Giants, I think that those back-to-back East Coast trips really did play a toll on them. Um, that combined with, you know, you come off a really emotional win, or excuse me, oh, I'm still calling it a win. It felt like it a 25-point comeback. That, yeah, it felt like one. Yeah, it was a loss. They did indeed lose. So you come off an emotional loss to the Bills, and then you look ahead and it's the Giants who are really, really struggling. Um, so I don't think that the Rams – it was surprising in the sense that it was uh, atypical for a Sean McVay team to have a letdown kind of like that, but I don't think it was necessarily super surprising – that the Rams kind of slept walked, uh, sleepwalked, I should say, through through that Giants win. Um, so going going into Washington, I think you know maybe this was kind of a wake up call against the Giants. Like, hey, we can't take any team for granted. Uh, we have a long travel schedule, but you know they know that they can't drop these games that they really should be. Winning. Was there something else that the Giants did well? Because defensively, I was I was shocked at how well they played them. What did they do defensively that maybe gave them some problems? 
Yeah, they were really able to stop the run. Uh, Daryl Henderson had been really effective out of the backfield the last two games for the Rams. And then suddenly, like, Sean McVay couldn't find a way to get Daryl going. He swapped him out for Malcolm Brown at one point, said Daryl kind of took a pretty big hit. Um, Malcolm Brown really couldn't get going. And as we know with the Rams, like, they, their offense kind of goes the way of the run. Um, you know, everything obviously based on that, on, on play action. So, the entire offense, with the exception of a few plays, just kind of looked a bit um, out of whack. And again, it just didn't seem like the same offense that we'd seen in the previous three games, which Jared Goff's been pretty efficient um, in, in conducting this offense. And they, Sean, who obviously stuck by 11 personnel for right. first few years he was here, you know, he's really been mixing it up and, and getting more guys involved, but they really just couldn't get anything um, going any kind of rhythm against and the How much Giants. does Cam Akers coming back change things? You know, I'm not sure how much it changes things because Cam now, obviously he's a rookie. He started those first two games, um, but week two he was only in there for the opening series before uh, he got hurt. So I think this is going to be really interesting to see how much Daryl Henderson proved in that time, right? Because Daryl's a guy who was injured for the Rams um, a little bit last year and he was injured a bit during training camp. So I, I think the jury was kind of still out. Like how effective is this guy really going to be in the NFL? And um, going back to week two and three, he was incredibly effective. So I'd be a little bit curious to see if Cam Akers gets that starting job back or if Daryl Henderson proved enough that that's going to continue to be his job. Uh, I think regardless, it's still going to be a running back committee. But, um, you know, there's got to be somebody who takes What have you snap. seen from Akers and Henderson? The little time you saw Akers, what did you see from him? And what? And then also along with that, what made Henderson effective um, a couple weeks ago especially? Yeah, uh, Akers started that week one game. Uh, you know, he didn't really pop. I mean, he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's strong between the tackles. Um, but so far, it's just kind of like, all right, this looks like a rookie running back, right? It, he, and not like a rookie as in Todd Hurley uh, rookie, but a rookie right. as in like a, a second round pick who's just still kind of trying to figure out exactly, you know, how to play in the NFL. I mean, that being said, I think he looked promising, but it wasn't anything that really made you say, wow. Uh, Daryl Henderson, I think he's had several wow moments. Um, and he's really, you've kind of seen his burst, especially outside the tackles, catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, he's, he's pretty small in stature, but I mean, he can just really take off. I mean, his burst of speed is impressive. Um, so I think the Rams really do kind of have this complementary set of running backs that have each had the ability to do a little bit of everything, but then again, they all have You said style. that Sean was getting a lot more people involved. And knowing Sean, the way I, you know, covering him here, he's, I'm sure after last year, he probably started looking at things right away the day after the season. So how much do you think of what they're doing this year as a result of maybe things not going the way they wanted it to last year? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Sean kind of tries to play it close to the vest as, as far as how much, you know, losing and a few things can drive him nuts. But then without a question, the way this offense came out and you see some of these play designs, it's like, all right, I know what Sean McVay was doing during quarantine. I mean, beyond <laughs> drinking rosé, he was definitely sitting there designing some stuff for this offense. I mean, we saw Gerald Everett go in on a, on a sweep the other day, like walked in for a two-yard touchdown. And he's like a – he's their number two tight end. So you're like, okay, Sean definitely was, you know, dreaming this up at some point. But, again, like it used to be all 11 personnel. Everything looked the same. And now – um, we're seeing four receivers, uh, not on the field, but like four different receivers are in the rotation. We're seeing two t different tight ends in the rotation, three running backs. 
um, where the first couple seasons Sean was here, it was kind of like he had his starting 12 and that or starting 11. And that is who you saw on the field. Snap it. And then you talk about Jared Goff too, being more efficient. Is that a byproduct of that? Or is there something else that's going on with him? Yeah, I think that the offensive line is doing a much better job this year. Um, last season, they had a lot of injuries. They had to put some rookies into starting positions. Um, so they really weren't able to kind of get continuity or experience. And now I think we're seeing uh, kind of that experience that some of those guys got last year pay off. Um, you know, they did ha- lose their left guard. He's on injured reserve. But David Edwards had to take over, and he's one of those guys who was thrown into the fire last year as a rookie. So I think the offensive line really kind of, been able to provide Jared more protection. And I think Jared himself just looks more efficient. He spent a lot of time this offseason working on his footwork, just trying to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more agile. And I think we're definitely seeing Has that. Kevin O'Connell, they, has there been much of an influence there with him? Is it, or is it kind of hard to tell at this point? You know, it's really kind of hard to tell. I mean, Jared definitely has benefited from Kevin O'Connell. I think um, it'd be naive to say otherwise, seeing as Kevin really is. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator, but he's really dedicated there at practice almost at all times to Jared. Uh, But it's always a little bit hazy, right, to see um, exactly what's the Sean McVay effect, what's the Kevin O'Connell effect when it comes to the quarterback, just because obviously as much as Sean wants to kind of step back and have a, a bigger view of the team. He's always a little bit in there. Um, but I, I think Kevin's definitely had an effect. In, and Jared's mentioned how great it is to have a quarterback's coach who's also played the position, so there's a really good understanding. And defensively, really good pass rush, obviously more than Aaron Donald. Is the pass rush about what you expected, or is it a little bit better than you thought it might be? You know, it's been about what I expected. Um, you know, the Giants game, I think, is a bit of an outlier, how much they were able to get to Daniel Jones. Um, I don't, it was hard to know what this pass was going to be going into the season because they did lose Dante Fowler. They did lose Clay Matthews. Um, but then again, anytime you're in a, on a front that includes Aaron Donald, I mean, somebody's going to be free to get to the quarterback because Aaron Donald is very, very rarely left one-on-one. Um, so I think they've been able to recently get more consistent pressure, but it's been about what I've expected. And that, are they better defensively this year, you think? Uh, you know, I think the jury's still out on that. Brandon Staley's their first-year defensive coordinator, and at times they've looked really, really good. Um, at times the secondary has looked a bit confused. I mean, there's a lot of nickel defense. A lot of times, uh, m- majority of the time, I should say, they have five defensive backs out there. Uh, against Buffalo, there were times, and, and this is actually, John, one of those really crazy things when you're covering right. a game on TV now. You don't get that press box view, right? So you're not sitting there before the whistle looking at the chaos and seeing like, oh gosh, those guys aren't lined up. Those guys are still yelling at each other. They don't know where they're going. Um, but kind of going back and looking at it, it just looks like sometimes they're not the communication needs to be better and they need to be in position a little bit quicker than they are as the ball's being snapped. Um, but I think this defense has the potential to be really, really good. It's just a matter of kind of working out these kinks and figuring out sometimes maybe uh, what coverages they want to be in. And sometimes it looks like last a one, Lindsay, bit and I want to go to the, to the fighter Jalen Ramsey. And I'm assuming there won't be any fisticuffs this weekend with he and Terry McLaurin. Do you expect him to cover Terry and, and I have a play off that too. What kind of year has he been having? Yeah, Jalen is he's such an interesting player to watch. I mean, he's having by all means like a pretty good season because at the end of the day, quarterbacks just don't go at him. 
Uh, you know, the Eagles targeted him twice. The Bills targeted him only a couple times. I mean, one of those, they beat him for a touchdown, in which, you know, no one's harder on himself than Jalen is just because he knows he only gets a couple of opportunities a game. And so if he doesn't capitalize on one of those or, you know, by not even capitalizing, we mean allows a touchdown. He's pretty, pretty hard on himself. Um, but he just continues to be such an interesting cornerback to cover because he truly is that lockdown cornerback where a lot of quarterbacks just will not go at him. And um, this last week they had him lining up even in the slot a bit, uh, covering the Giants tight end. So they are, Brandon Steele is trying to kind of move him around and put him in more positions mm. to make plays um, just because, you know, he's, he's effective locking down the side of the field. But I think that Jalen even is maybe itching to do more than just lock down. Like, he wants to get that ball. He wants to make a play on the ball. Um, so the Rams are trying to kind of move him around a bit this year to see if they can That's help That's the curse of being happen. as good as he is. So that's which is what Dion faced back in the day and all that. Lindsay, I appreciate your time. Great insight. And sorry we're not going to see each other this weekend, but it was good talking to you. After this break, I'll be back with former NFL scout Tyler Roman for some fantasy football insight and his thoughts on Washington running back Antonio Gibson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max Turkey Rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIM15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Tyler Roman. Well, Tyler, I appreciate you joining me. As always, always enjoy your insight. And I want to talk to you about some fantasy football. But I want to start with the guy on Washington, Antonio Gibson. What's your take on him, especially from a fantasy perspective, as we kind of move forward in this season? Yeah, Antonio Gibson, he's a player. He's a player, man. I really like I like what uh, the team has in him. Uh, he had his best game of the year last Sunday. Uh, had a season eye in touches of 17 and total yards of 128. So I think his role is only going to get bigger going forward. I think J.D. McKissick still out-snapped him. But, I mean, I think Antonio is a lead back. Um, he's great out of the backfield, as we saw. They threw a lot of screens to him. So I really think he's going to be a feature point of this offense, especially if you need to see what the playmakers are for this team going forward. And I think this uh, 
last next 12 games or so is a great chance to evaluate him and other players going forward. Have you seen the way he's being used evolve change that tells you, and especially even as a back, because as a back, you know, there's still some things he's working through, but have you seen some things in his game that are evolving that say he's ready for not just more touches, but bigger plays? Yeah, I, I think he's hitting the hole a little harder. I think it's good. I mean, obviously, he's not as experienced as a runner. Uh, I think it's pretty evident that he still runs a little too high. Um, that's why he's got, you know, jacked up a little bit on a few runs uh, going forward. Uh, he definitely um, has speed. You know, he's not getting caught from behind. So I think really I like the way they're using him. I like the little wide receiver screens they've had on him recently. So I think, you know, this team needs to get – the ball in the hands of their playmakers as few as they have but Antonio's right up there so I like the way Scott Turner's using him he's evolving him anywhere any way he can get him the ball like I said screens out of the backfield so I really do like what the plan is for him as the season progresses. How about for Dwayne Haskins what have you seen so far in him? Well Dwayne obviously had a poor performance two weeks against Cleveland two weeks ago against Cleveland uh he played a lot better on Sunday but you know I think it's it's hard to evaluate him going forward just with how poor of his weapons around him and the offensive line is obviously not the greatest. They played better last week, but, you know, I think with him, you know, I think he's getting a little, his stats were fine on Sunday. They were, but the thing with him is he's almost, you can tell he was playing scared because he knew, you know, if he threw a pick or has a, you know, a negative play, he could be getting benched based off all the, you know, things we're hearing from the outside reports and stuff. So I think he's playing a little tentative, at least on Sunday. And, you know, I just – I think he's – his confidence, I think, may be taking a step back just because, like I said, it's hard to you know, lay it all out there when you think that any, you know, mess up you have can get you pulled. Especially, I mean, obviously that fourth and goal from 11, he's got to throw that ball into the end zone. But I think he was just scared of making a mistake, so he just dumped it down to Isaiah Wright. So, you know, I, I, think, I think the team needs to let him play. I know there's going to be some – uh, negative aspects of what we're seeing right now. But I think, you know, they got to see what they have in them. And I think they got to stick with them as for as long as possible, honestly. Okay, cool. Now let's move ahead to some fantasy sleepers that you see throughout the league. Who are a few guys that have jumped out in that regard? You know, I think another a guy that I like is Justin Herbert, uh, the quarterback from the Chargers, rookie. Um, you know, he he had a really nice game last Sunday against the Bucks, And, you know, there's been some buys coming up uh, as we get – Later in the season, I think Aaron Rodgers is on a bye this week, Stafford. So if you can pick up Justin Herbert as a guy to go forward, he had 29 points against Tampa Bay in a standard Yahoo scoring league. And, you know, he the Saints, they played the Saints on Monday, and they have not allowed less than 20 points to an opposing quarterback. So I think it's a good matchup for this Sunday for sure. Um, another guy would be, uh, I think it would be Joshua Kelly from the Chargers. He's going to get a lot more carries with Austin Eckler out. He looks like he's going to be the main guy going forward, but he's also going to split times like I said, with uh, Justin Jackson. And then, you know, another guy I think would be Scotty Miller, the receiver for Tampa Bay. You know, he, with Chris Godwin out and now O.J. Howard going out with the torn Achilles, uh, Scotty Miller has had 83 yards exactly actually the last two weeks, 24 points over that time time frame. So I think he's going to be a guy that Brady's going to look, like, look at in the middle of the field and gobble up some targets and probably get some touchdowns here and there. And then lastly, a guy that blew up Last night with the Packers, Robert Tanyan, three TDs. And that's a guy I think you, team, I mean, guys need to pick up now. I mean, he has five touchdowns the last three games. He's going to be the number one tight end going forward. And you have Rodgers as your quarterback, you know, you're definitely going to uh, excel. 
And just just for everybody listening, that was Bram's cell phone calling me in the middle of Tyler's answer. So Bram kind of inserting himself into the show just by his phone call. So I apologize, apologize for that. So when you look at Washington's matchup with the Rams, from a fantasy perspective, who are some of the guys that you're looking at on both sides? Well, with Washington, like we talked about earlier with Antonio, I would start Antonio, and I think, you know, he's going to get some carries, he's going to get touches out of the backfield, um, whether it be through the air or through the ground. So I think Antonio gets a solid RB2 going into this week. Um, the other, you know, main weapon Washington has will be Terry McLaurin, and I think he's going to put up some solid numbers because I think they're going to be behind this game. Might be some garbage numbers, but you definitely have to maybe start him with a grain of salt knowing that Jalen Ramsey most likely will going to be shadowing in the whole game. But like I said, he might get some numbers toward the end of the game. Uh, and on the Rams' perspective, uh, the middle of the field, I think, is going to be where they're going to eat between uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I think the Rams are probably going to do pretty well offensively. Running back-wise, it's kind of a committee right now. Uh, Cam Akers has been hurt, so he probably won't play this week. Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. So it's kind of a figure poison for the Rams of running back perspective just because you don't know who's going to get most of the carries. I would probably say Daryl Henderson, or at least for this week, though. But you're looking at that middle of the field because that's where Washington has been vulnerable throughout the year, that middle of the field. And that seems to be a strength of the Rams. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, that's McVay. Obviously, uh, Washington fans know from experience, he definitely knows how to call an offense and attack vulnerabilities. And I think he's going to do pretty well on Sunday with uh, Cooper and uh, Robert Woods and even Tyler Hayby at the tight end position as well. Tyler, I appreciate you the insight. Some good fantasy talk there. So I hope people are paying attention. Appreciate you joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonocoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E. OAKCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Lindsay and Tyler for joining me. And thanks to Lone Oak Coffee and Dizzy Pig for their continued support. And thank you for listening. I'll be back with another one on Thursday, another Therapy Thursday session. Talk to you next time.